That was awesome. Well, it's a great privilege to introduce to you a really good friend of ours as a church and also mine personally. So can we have a big welcome for Mark Greenwood today? Come on, let's welcome Mark. God bless you, Mark. Thanks, mate. Bless you. Can I move the table? Morning, everyone. It's great to see you all. Everybody good? Fantastic. Great to see you all. Is it getting warmer? It needs to get warmer. Can I just ascertain, who doesn't like the cold? Let's start off with a bit of a moan. Anybody not like the cold? Okay. Anybody like the cold? Yeah, you're weird. You're weird. You're weird. Um, have, you, have you ever been like to, I don't know, like an, a museum or a gallery and uh, you, you've been with somebody who knows a little bit about the subject and they're telling you all sorts of things and you have not got a clue what they're on about. Anybody been? Few of us. Like, you know, like when people take you to see some art, darling, and you, you're listening to them talking about the texture and the depth and the story behind and you're going, I have not got a clue. I have not got a clue at all. Or maybe you're one such person who's been with people to these galleries and these wonderful places or or loves poetry and you don't understand people that don't like poetry. Have have we got any of those people in the place this morning? One or two of you maybe. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when I've been with people that know loads about these things, they talk about great masterpieces. And sometimes I just don't get it. Sometimes I just do not get it. I'm thinking like masterpiece, like modern art. Masterpiece, master rubbish. (laughs) Now that laughter suggests that you more resonate with where I am than where my friends are. But I want to tell you this morning, I want to talk to you in fact this morning about the greatest masterpiece ever to grace our planet and that my friends is you. You're the greatest masterpiece ever to grace our planet. You know sometimes we cheesy preachers and I'm not going to do this. We say to, some, say to you, like, turn to the person next to you and say, you're the greatest masterpiece ever. But I don't want you to do that this morning. All right. Because some of you will be lying as you say that. And you'll feel compromised. Okay. But I do want you to look at yourself this morning and say, you're the greatest masterpiece ever. Now, some of you don't see it in yourself. Like, you might see it in other people, but you don't see it in yourself. But if I have one thing that's a take-home for us today, is I want you to understand that you're the greatest masterpiece ever. I came across this great story. For those of you who've heard me preach, you know that I like a few funny stories just to kind of um, help me steer through my talk. And um, this made me chuckle. It It actually happened to a friend of mine. And I just want to, I don't know whether this is true for you. Don't you agree that wives know just how to bring their husbands back down to earth? They do, don't they? 
And actually, I think husbands can sometimes do that with wives as well. It's kind of a unique skill, isn't it, that we have in our marriages. And I came across this that my friend was telling me. He was, he was telling, in fact, let me read it because he sent it me in a text a few years ago. He said he was having a really tough day and he'd got home, stretched himself out on the sofa to do a bit of what he thought was well-deserved complaining and self-pitying to his wife. Anybody have been a well-deserved complaining and self-pitying from time to time? You should try it. It's very good. Very good. Well, he was doing this and he was complaining and he'd got such a downer on himself. He wasn't feeling particularly brilliant and so he was looking for a little bit of sympathy. So he said, nobody knows who I am. The whole world hates me. And she, his wife, didn't even look up and said to him, that's not true, David. Some people haven't even met you yet. <laughs> I'm not sure what she meant by that, really. But we can look, can't we, at our, our circumstances. We can look at our situations. We can let external things affect how we feel, even about ourselves. Is it just me, or is anybody else the same as that? It's true, isn't it? We really, really can. And we can let external things determine how we feel about ourselves, whether we even like ourselves. We can let external things determine even our identity, which is even more worrying. Like anybody looked in a magazine and thinking, I don't look as muscly as he is. I guess just me. Maybe, maybe you look in the magazines and think they're not as muscly as me. I don't know. I don't know. But identity is one of those strange things. But I want to say to you, you are the greatest masterpiece ever. Do you ever go out for a walk and just pause for a moment and look at the beauty that's around you? Do you ever do that? I just stand by an ocean. That's one of my favorite places, the ocean. Stand by an ocean and just look at the vastness and think it's amazing. Do you do that? If you don't, you should. Do you ever go out for a walk in the countryside and see the vibrancy of all that grows? And and maybe you just catch a few insects as you happen to glance down. Or on a frosty morning, we've had a few of those. And you just look at the beauty of the frost. Do you ever go for a walk on the beach? And, and I, I took a macro lens once on my iPhone. I've got these clever little lenses that you can add. And I took a, a, a macro shot of sand up close. It's phenomenal. Do you ever look at animals and think, wow, they're so beautiful and gorgeous? God does too. But here's the interesting thing. When God made all of that and said that it was good, and then he made you. And the Bible says that he saw that it was very good. You see, you and I are the crowning glory of all that God has made. We are the greatest masterpiece. Let me take you to a few sentences in the Bible just to kind of set that narrative context for you. For those of you who are familiar with the Bible, you'll understand what I say if I say turn to Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 31. And whether you're listening here in the room or online, pull up that passage. But let me read it to you. Then 
God said. This is when he'd made everything. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea. I mean, think about that for a few moments. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Wow. Now, if that doesn't make you feel worth something, if that doesn't readdress identity imbalance, I don't know what will. See, make mankind in our image, in our likeness, that they may rule over the fish. So he didn't just make us in his likeness, he gave us something to do. To rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. There it is again. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them equal. And then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of li- the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now here's a thought. Which of the animals... Did God bless? None. Which of the animals did God establish a relationship with? None. Which of the animals did God speak purpose over? None. Which of the animals did God make in his own image? None. He only spoke to humans and gave them identity, and blessed them, and gave them purpose. I really felt this morning as we were worshipped that some of us here have allowed external sources to speak about our identity, to speak over us, who we are. And the only thing you and I need to understand is that we are God's masterpiece. I'll say it again. You are God's masterpiece. Now, some of you are struggling to receive that for yourself, but you are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. And the thing about God's masterpiece is he loves his masterpiece. God 100% loves his masterpiece. I've discovered a deep truth in my life. I'm 53 on the 3rd of February. Okay, save yourself postage, send me home with the money gift now. I don't want to put that pressure on you because I know with all the strikes, will it get there? Won't it get there? I know you've been concerned about that. So I'll just take it this morning. It's not a problem. Really isn't a problem. 
So I've discovered a lot in my 53 years. I've discovered that I don't know a lot. Anybody else discovered they don't know a lot the older they get? But one thing I have discovered is that men and women are different. Okay. A man and his wife, I read this story, a man and his wife were having some problems at home, I love this, and were giving each other the silent treatment. Suddenly, the man realised that the next day, he would need his wife to wake him at five o'clock because he was terrible at waking up in the morning and had relied for years on his wife to wake him up. Not wanting to be the first to break the silence, you can understand the tension, and therefore lose, he wrote on a piece of paper, please wake me up at 5 a.m. And he left it where he knew she would find it. The next morning, the man woke up only to discover it was nine o'clock and he'd missed his flight. He was furious. He was about to go and see why his wife hadn't wakened him up when he noticed a piece of paper by the bed. And the piece of paper said this, it's five o'clock, wake up. <laughs> she won. She won. How good is that? Some top tips there for you, isn't there? Some top tips there for you. I'm so glad that God doesn't treat us as we deserve. Arguably, he deserved to be treated that way. Arguably. Well, not arguably. 100%. He definitely got what he needed to be given. He definitely was, was treated the way he should. But I am so glad that God doesn't treat us the way we deserve. In fact, not only does he not give us what we deserve, he gives us more than we deserve this is the bonkers thing. I mean, it's crazy when you think about it. And why does he do that? Because, ladies and gentlemen, you and I are God's masterpiece. And he loves his masterpiece. He would do anything. It says in our reading, let us make mankind in our image. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. We're made in God's image. In his likeness. I love this little sentence in the Bible. God speaking says, I created you. You belong to me. You know, if you read anything about the Easter story, which will come round very, very quickly. But we don't just read the Easter story at Easter, right? We read it every single day of our lives. What's really interesting is you get to the narrative about the Easter story and it was that moment in time where the wrong of the whole world was placed on Jesus. That's you and me. All the things we've ever thought, said and done that were wrong were placed in the body of Jesus and Jesus took the punishment for every single wrong of every single person that had lived, was living, would live. It was all of God's anger and of God's justice. I believe in justice. All of God's justice was poured out on Jesus. And there's this moment in time where he was so overwhelming that Jesus actually felt disconnected from God. The only moment ever in the life of Jesus where he felt that disconnection to the point where he cried out in agony and in pain, why? 
Have you forsaken me? For that brief moment in time, he felt that disconnect. Folks, I want to tell you, God turned his back on Jesus so that he wouldn't have to turn his back on you. God gave Jesus the silent treatment so that he would never have to give you the silent treatment. God doesn't go silent on us when we don't do the things we're meant to do. He loves us. He cares for us. We're his masterpiece. Not only does he love his masterpiece, he's proud of his masterpiece. Now, he's not always proud of the things that we do, but he's always proud of us. I, um, I was particularly proud of what I thought was a masterpiece that I made in art at school. Now, I will concede I'm not very good at art. Why I chose that for my GCSEs and, or O-levels, remember O-levels, as it was back then, I'll never know why I chose our O-level. I, w- I was rubbish at it. I mean, I do know why I chose it, because two of my mates chose it, and I was a little bit jealous of them, because they were really good at street art, They were into breakdancing, and I know this will come as a shock to the system. I used to be into breakdancing. Some of you are thinking, yeah, every time you dance, you break something. That's not not what I'm referencing. I know it's hard, but I could do the caterpillar, the windmill, everything. I'm not going to show you, no. I am not going to show you. I would do, but I've got a very expensive microphone on. That's clearly the only reason I'm not going to smash out some moves. But it's been a few years. But I know it's hard to believe, but I was massively into gymnastics and all sorts of stuff. I could do backflips, the whole shooting match. And me and my mates on, our, my, on 7 Springwood Avenue, West Ball in Bradford, BD58BY, there we would be with a massive piece of lino, gaffer tape to the path, and a huge ghetto blaster. And we're banging out some, some dance moves on the streets. And like I could do the dancing... But I couldn't do the street art. Don't call it graffiti. Don't call it graffiti. It's street art. Graffiti. And so because we were like maze, I signed up to art. But honestly, I was rubbish. The only art I'd ever done, I traced it and coloured it in myself. I mean, I used me on different colours, but, you know, I was rubbish at it. But this one particular project we did, which was involving wood, and I made this toy that I was super, super proud of. I don't know if... It's, it's actually quite an old-school toy. And um, it's a pure wood. And what you would do... I, it's hard to explain, really. But you've essentially... You've got these two pieces of wood. They're on, like, a frame. And you've got, like, at the top, some pieces of string. And you've got this little uh, wooden cutout of a, of a person. And um, I'm sure you know the type of thing. You'd, you press it at the bottom. And because of how it was all designed, the, 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 the string at the top would open up and flip, flip the little wooden man round. Do you know the sort of thing that you, you, that you do? You do, good, that's a relief because I was run out of ways to describe it, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> and I, Now, I'm going to concede to you, in a moment of transparency and honest, objectively, it was rubbish. It was really poor. It's not the best example of craftsmanship you will ever see. The colour scheme was fairly basic. There was not a lot of creativity involved. But there was something about the fact that I liked it. And do you know why I liked it? Because I made it. 
I genuinely loved it. It was genuinely my best effort. I absolutely adored it. Ladies and gentlemen, I was offended when I got married and my wife did not share the same passion. <laughs> offended, hurt, bitter, twisted, all in one moment. And you see, up until then, my mum had been very, very, very happy for it to be on the mantelpiece at home. I got married. And so I naturally took that with me and naturally placed it on the mantelpiece at home. My wife, she did not share the same enthusiasm. And I came home one day and it was no longer on the mantelpiece. Not only was it no longer on the mantelpiece, but it was in pieces. And I said to my wife, what, 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 what's occurred here? What's happened here? And she said, oh yeah, it fell off. <laughs> I'm going to put it to the public vote this morning. Because I want to ask the question, did it fall? Or was it pushed? <laughs> That's the question I want to ask this morning. Who thinks it fell off? <laughs> Who thinks it was pushed? <laughs> Motion carriage, Your Honour. Who's not sure? Who's not bothered? They think I need to just... <laughs> You're 53, you need to move on, Mark. Stop. <laughs> Stop bringing your bitterness out. We want encouraging... Oh, but I was, I was devastated. It was, it was broken and in pieces. And I was devastated because, yeah, I know it wasn't the nicest looking. Because I was the maker, the designer. I was so proud of it. Ladies and gentlemen, why is God proud of us as human beings? Because he made us. He made us, he's created. Yes, as I mentioned, he's not always proud of the things we have done. We might be damaged and broken and knocked off the mantelpiece of life, but still we are his mantelpiece. And God is able to restore and put us back together again. This word masterpiece is very, very interesting. In the Bible, for those of you who are familiar with the Bible, Ephesians chapter 2, it says these words, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared for us in advance to do. The word workmanship in the original language that the Bible is written in literally means art, a masterpiece, much along the lines of an incredible piece of poetry. That's what that verse means. That we are God's art. What is art? It's an expression. We are an expression of God. That's why we're made in his image, because we're an expression of who he is. We're an expression of his talents, of his creative talents. And that's why he loves us. And that's why he's proud of us. And it tells us there, not only has God created us and just kind of left us to bobble along, he's created us with purpose. We're created as a piece of art to do the incredible things that God has prepared for us even before one of our days came to be. It takes us right back to the original moment when God said, I'm going to create man and woman in my image 
image, mankind, and I'm giving them something to do. May I suggest to you this morning that our true identity is found only in understanding that God has made us and he's made us for a reason, for a purpose. That's where our identity is found. He's created us to do some great stuff. Oh my goodness, if you think that Christianity and a relationship with God is simply about coming to church, man, we have fallen well short. We really, really have. But we do need to come along to church and be within the community of other people that are discovering their identity in Christ. And we cheer each other on. But we're created in Christ Jesus to do some amazing things, to make a difference, to change our world. When God made us, he saw that we were very, very good. So God, God loves his masterpiece. He loves it. He loves you. He's proud, super proud. I've got to discover this a little bit more as I've become a dad. And watching how my girls, they don't always do the things that you think they should you're still proud of them. You still love them. The third thing I want to say to you this morning is that God understands his masterpiece. I read this um, story. A Spanish teacher was explaining to her class, in Spanish, unlike English, nouns are designated by either masculine or feminine. A student asked, what gender is computer? Instead of giving the answer, the teacher split the class into two groups, male and female, and asked them to decide for themselves whether computer should be a masculine or a feminine noun. And each group was asked to give four reasons for its recommendation. The women's group concluded that computers should be masculine because to do anything with them you have to turn them on. (laughs) Two, they have a lot of data but still can't think for themselves. (laughs) They're supposed to help you solve problems, but half the time they are the problem. As soon as you commit to one, you realise that if you'd waited for a little longer, you'd have got a better model. The men's group concluded that computer should definitely be of the feminine gender because the native language they use to communicate with other computers is incomprehensible to everyone else. (laughs) Number two, even the smallest mistakes are stored in long-term memory for possible later retrieval. (laughs) Number three, as soon as you make a commitment to one, you find yourself depending how spending half of your salary on accessories for it. And number four, no one but their creator understands their internal logic. I don't know whether they're true. We're not going to do a survey, don't worry. But one of the things I love about God is whether we're male or female, is he understands our internal logic. I love that little sentence in one of the most famous parts of the Bible. It's, 
It's found in Psalm 139, verse 13, for those of you who are familiar. I love this. For you created my inmost being. That's amazing. But it's like that's a general statement. And then it just gives a little bit more detail. It said, you knit me together in my mother's womb. And then a little bit further on, just a tiny bit further on, it says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was woven together. Knit me together. Woven together. Knit me together. Wove me together. God understands us because he knitted us together. He's woven us together. It's not like when you were born, you may have been a shock to your parents, but you weren't a shock to God. It wasn't like God was going, whoa, wasn't expecting that one. What do we do now? No, he created you for a purpose. He knit you together. He wove you together. Speaks to me of a plan of detail, of somebody who knows what they're doing, somebody who's got an end product in sight speaks of a meticulous nature. These little, if ever you watch somebody knitting, I watched somebody recently who's brilliant at it. And the detail of the complexity, it's just phenomenal. We are very different, and yet every single one of us is God's masterpiece. I've deliberately said that phrase and that word a number of times this morning because some of us are struggling in our identity. Some of us are not fully aware. We almost want something prescriptive to define us. We want to know what my future is and we ask for that. Sometimes I get the genuine desire to know what the future is. I get that. But, but somehow we want some things bolted down because if we don't get them bolted down we're, we're definitionless we're identityless we want to know where I'm going what I'm meant to be doing and I, and I understand I, I'm there too from time to time I'm not saying hey look that's, you, you, you're like that I'm not I go through those moments in life but the truth is the greatest identity we need is to understand we're the greatest masterpiece ever. And God loves you. God's proud of you. And God understands you. We're going to pray in a few moments. We're going to invite the worship team to come back up. And we're just going to pray. So let's just pause, shall we, for a few moments. I've deliberately set out this morning to, to do a talk that kind of connects with anybody wherever they are, wherever they are rather. And I want to just pray for two groups of people this morning and um, around the whole identity thing. First of all, if you're here this morning and you've never said yes to God, that's you've never 
given your life over to God. It's time for you today to discover the person that made you, the person that loves you, the person that, proud, that is proud of you, the person that understands you. You may feel, ah, oh, nobody understands me. God understands you. And so this morning, an opportunity for you to place your life in God's hands and to discover your true and real identity. Don't worry about all the external things, all the external voices, influences, even the things that rage through your mind this morning. Don't let those define you. God speaks purpose, forgiveness, identity over your life this morning. And God wants you to receive that. And the way that you receive that is by receiving him. By saying to God, God, I've lived my life without you. I don't want to live it that way anymore. I ask for you to forgive me. Thank you for the death of your son. When Jesus died on the cross and God went silent, there was a transaction going on that Jason spoke about very first thing this morning. That the transaction is... Jesus' life in your place. That's the transaction. Makes it possible for you to receive his forgiveness. So if you've never said yes to God, why don't you just, where you are right now, say yes, God. Not out loud, but just in the stillness and quietness of your own heart and mind. Yes, God. Yes, God. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your new life. I receive my identity because of you. Father, I pray for anybody in that place this morning that they would right now feel you becoming real to them. They feel their identity beginning to become revealed to be who they really are. If you said yes to God this morning, maybe for the first time, we'd love to just help you a little bit more. There's a few helpers around the building um, that have got some little pieces of information they'd love to help you with and to help you journey on a little bit more. Just before I move on, if that's you, if you said yes to God this morning and receive your true identity and understanding that you're God's creation, and just where you are, could you raise your hand in the air for me now? And we'll make sure we get something to you. I can't see particularly well, so I'm just trusting that um, the people will see you and get something to you. That's great. I really feel this morning um, that we just need to pray for a few people. I'm not going to ask you to come down to the front but I am going to ask you just to to respond by standing I don't always feel this is the right way particularly but I do feel this morning a significance because it's about you making a stand I really feel that a number of people now this you don't need to be moving in the gifts of the Spirit to know this is the case. 
So I'm not saying I've got some insight that there's nine people who are feeling like this. And in many ways, what I'm going to say now would be true of any size venue where we've got a reasonable number of people in. But what I do feel is that God wants to begin a work in you this morning that will help you to appreciate who you are in him afresh and anew. And it's almost like you need to make a stand and say, I'm standing up today because I want to discover who I am in God anew. So I just believe there's a number of people here And even in recent weeks and months, you've started to believe some of the lies about who you are. There's some people here that have, you've been a Christian for a long, long time, but you've never really come into a full understanding of what it means to be a son or a daughter of Christ, to be made in his image. Because certain things that have happened in your life have have marred how you view yourself. And God simply wants to say to you this morning, I love you, I'm proud of you, I understand you. And so I'd like just in these final few moments to offer a prayer for you as somebody else who needs to to go on a bit of a journey as well to rediscover who he is in Christ. So I'm... I sometimes say this, and I know it can sound a bit cheesy, but I hope it doesn't. That when I preach, I'm stood at the front first. Not because I'm preaching, but because I'm the first to respond. So for those of you who that is, why don't you just stand where you are now? Let's just do it really, really quickly. And I'll just pray a very, very simple prayer over you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for your humility and your honesty. It's beautiful. So let me, let me pray over you. When I pray for you, I pray for me. Father, help Every one of us, but particularly for these lovely, lovely people who stood up where they are to make a stand. Lord, I pray they'd get a fresh revelation of their identity this morning. That it won't be based upon how they view themselves and the words that they speak even over their own lives. It won't be based on the words that others have spoken over their lives. It won't be based on words that they've read in magazines and seen on TV. It won't be based on any perception that other people have of them. It won't be based on any life experiences and past. Lord, we cut off anything that holds us back from the past that our scars are not to harm us. Yes, they tell something of our narrative and something of our story, but they're not there to hold us back. And Father God, in the name of Jesus and by the power of your spirit, would you release people from those things that negatively affect how they see themselves. And I declare over you that God has made you in his image 
in his likeness. He's appointed you to be fruitful. He loves you. He's super proud of you. And he understands you. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that every single one of us will leave here knowing tangibly more what it means to be made in your image. Amen.